Welcome to episode 704 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio 2, welcome along to episode 704 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. How about you? Yeah, I'm really good, but I was, when you, you guys might hear in the background, he has moved a little bit. When when I first came on, it sounded like you were barbecuing. What's happening up in Kaiteri, John? We've got some serious cicada action going on. Uh, not 24-7, but evenings and mornings, it's some seriously loud cicada action. Now, they only they only come out like every four years, don't they? Because I remember when I was in Hackthorn Road, we had that for one year when we were there. It was just like it was crazy for like two months, and then they kind of – is that how it happens up there as well? Uh, some years are better than others, but this year is particularly particularly strong. I just think you need to watch a bit more of David Attenborough, Bevan, and then we'll be um, then we'll be all good, and, and you can keep us informed of uh, our, our annual cicada action. The cicadas go under the ground for that's my Edinburgh accent. I talk is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance, your lactic buffer, and our patrons. John, you go first. Volker, the vascular Viking void, and we got Paul, the creator Yates. And Mark, Mike, sorry, Mike, the farmer of Fox Hewison. So John is up in Criteria at the moment, so we are kind of doing a different kind of show today. We'll do a quick piece of news because there has been some big news happening over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and then we've got three interviews coming up. John, what's happening? We have. So today's the big highlight of today's show is going to be talking about the Collins Cup. So I thought we'd get Torsten on to talk about the rankings, who's in the rankings, how the rankings work, and, and what implications that has for selection into the Collins Cup. Then we're going to talk to, probably at the same time, we talk to Charles Adamo, who you have heard of once or twice before on the show. He's sort of been the main man behind the professional triathlon organisation who are sort of behind the Collins Cup. And then we did an interview with Caroline Stephan a couple of weeks ago that we're going to play today as well. So it's all good stuff. So let's get into the news, John. First thing we've got to say is, really, the announcements pretty much happened as soon as we finished our last show we recorded, because we pre-recorded last week's show. Um, pretty big news. And when we think about the Collins Cup, we were kind of saying they came out with all this PR, you know, is it going to really happen? And then they came out and said last year we might try to buy, you know, Iron Man. And, you know, it seemed like a pretty big ask, but it seems like things are starting to happen. It is. We're going to find out a lot more about it later in the show, but uh, the Collins Cup is happening, and it looks like, you know, to make these things happen, you need the the money, and it looks like the money really is there this time. So I think I saw Ben Hoffman actually say, you know, I've got money in my bank account already. I'm not quite sure how that works, given the teams haven't been selected, but it really looks like they've got some big money behind this event, um, and we'll discuss with interviews with Torsten and Charles Adamo later on uh, how it's all sort of come about and where it's going to head, but just a few summary points. Um, Bevan and I were in Rote in, was it two Ooh. years two years ago? No, uh, I think it was the first it, time we went, wasn't it? No, it was... It was, oh, well, no, it was right, either 2017 or 2018. Okay, yep. uh, I think it was 2018. And they said, right, we're going to be doing the Collins Cup next year and wrote, and it, and it never sort of happened. Uh, and so we're sitting there going, is this thing ever going to happen? Is this thing ever going to happen? And boom, 
We didn't hear, nobody hear any, heard any whispers around anything happening. And all of a sudden, comes out, there's going to be $2 million for the athletes. Uh, and that's some serious money compared to what is offered elsewhere in the world. Um, now, but how it's going to be distributed is not actually prize money. It's actually going to be based on your rankings. So if you're ranked very highly, you're going to get paid more. If you're ranked a bit lower, you're going to get paid a bit less. And as far as I can see, we'll find out later on it doesn't appear to be any prize money so you, you know the motivation is get your ranking as high as you can come into the race and uh and do it and and the the fee you know your your money for this event comes from wherever you're ranked um is it which a mistake? I think, well i think it's got pros and cons so you know i've thought about this a lot and and i'm thinking you know what's the motivation for the athletes to really push themselves yeah. hard and and I think athletes being athletes, they're going to go hard regardless. But I think the thing for me is what's going to make them prepare and peak for this particular event. You know, if you're going to to, to Ironman Germany or Challenge Road or, or Hawaii or the 70.3 World Champs, you are peaking for that event because you want to finish as top dog or as high as you can for the prestige, for the money, for everything that comes with it. With this event... Where is the motivation to, to peak for this race? Um, so that's probably the big thing with well, it. I think it is rewarding performance, and I like the ranking system. Well, and I think that's the problem as well. because it's going to people Well, that's the thing as well, because if it's trying to be an attractive spectator sport, which is trying to be a you know, TV thing, we need the athletes to be turning up and giving it their all on the day. Now, now we've got to assume that because it is such a driven thing by the pros you know behind the scenes it benefits pros long term that they will respect that but it'd be a, a bit of a disaster if they turn up and they just kind of tick the box mm, which yeah and if you're a bit injured going into the event are you going to pull out of it because then you're not going to get the money uh, whereas if you're in another circumstance maybe you go oh i'm going to pull out this event and go and do another one because i'm a bit injured so that's probably the only cloud over this for me is uh why they went down this path uh, rather than maybe doing some system where you do get paid for your ranking and then there is also additional prize money. Um, yeah, so that's going to be a question we'll, we'll ask later on and, and try to figure out what the motivation was for it. In terms of the location, uh, it's going to be held in Samarin, which is where they've held the championship for the last few times. Uh, and a lot of athletes we've heard from age group athletes, that's so a really cool venue. Uh, so I think they tick that box of having a cool venue. Um, I think the timing-wise, with it being in May, I think it is, is perfect you know, it's before the big season, big mid-season Ironman races. It's a long way away from Kona. It's a long way from the 70.3 World Champs. So I think they can tick that timing box really, really well. Uh, in terms of the athletes, uh, there's 36 athletes that will be selected onto teams, six male and females from from USA, Europe, and the world, going head-to-head in 12 races. And they'll all go head-to-head, uh, so three people starting at a time, and it's going to be a points-based system. Uh, and you do get rewarded for winning by bigger margins so if somebody's getting you know uh, absolutely smashing it there is that motivation to keep pushing on because you do get rewarded for winning by a bigger by a bigger margins so um yeah I'm, I'm excited about it it looks like you know the money is there and also the money is there to produce a really fantastic um spectacle for online and and tv viewers so yeah i think it's gonna be wicked with, with the with the distance john uh, what is the actual distance they'll be racing on race day now, you just popped me there with a, with a lack of preparation, but I think it's around about half Ironman distance. I think it's a little bit more than half Ironman distance, but I haven't got that right in front of me, but that's one of the questions I'll ask the guys later on. Okay. 
Um, anything else? Just because I know you're going to go into a lot more detail later on with the, you know, Charles and Dawson. But just anything else in particular you want to talk about for this? Oh, look, I just think the fact that you know when we've seen some of these professional triathlon organisations sort of try to bubble away in the years that we've been podcasting, we've sort of seen a few people committed to it. Remember Olaf Shabustis? He was one guy that was driving a uh, an organisation a while ago, and there's been bits and pieces even back in the day. You know when it was the Mark Allen sort of period there. I think they had a little organisation, but there really seems to be quite a bit of unity in terms of there seems to be a lot of athletes, a lot of the big names are in behind this, and so. I think that the athletes are motivated to make this happen so um yeah i think it's exciting times and i hate the word game changer um and i don't think it's necessarily gonna be a game changer but i think if it's done right it could be kind of cool i I just think sometimes it might be a bit one-sided you know at the moment um if you look at europe you'd think they're just going to spank everybody when they've got Fredino, probably Brownlee, Daniela Reef. Um, you're just thinking, oh, and then all the other Germans as well. Hopefully, it'll still be a good contest. Well, yeah, well, that's the interesting thing. We're, you know, there's kind of two discussions here, isn't there? There's the sporting discussion about what will happen in the race and the implications of what this means for the sport, because the professional triathletes organisation definitely has some set the bar pretty high with their ambitions. Um, and to this point in time, they haven't really delivered. But this is the first point where we go, okay, well, this seems to be happening. Uh, mm. You kind of just hope that they can deliver on some of the, the you know, more of the, you know, like. The idea of buying Iron Man, like it's pretty ambitious. But you know, mm. if they can start to get the the ball rolling, who knows where they can go with this? And it might be just one step. You know, we keep talking about this Collins Cup, but that may just be one small piece of the puzzle. So uh, yeah, exciting times ahead. Well, and, and I think that's it as well because over the years we have seen kind of these organisations appear and they've always kind of fallen over at the first hurdle. Um, and it did look like this was going that way, but this seems to be you know again going in the right direction. You know. The ultimate goal of the professional or triathletes organisation is that, like tennis, the pros kind of run the sport um, and have a lot of say in the sport. And if that's been one criticism of our sport is that, particularly in long course, pros really have become third-class citizens. So long term, we really hope that this becomes something that does have influence and power in our sport. Mm. The other thing I'm excited about this week, Bevan, is Flora Duffy spanking it at the Ironman 70.3 in uh in South Africa, so although she didn't have it all her own way, she she capitulated on the bike. It looked sounded like she had some glute problems on the bike, but then she came back and ran a one hour twenty, and there was only three guys that I could see in the top seven that ran quicker than her, and she almost outran uh, Henry Schumann, who's a top ITU athlete. So yeah, I'm excited to see Flora Duffy uh, lining up at seven point well, three world champs. She's running about seven or eight minutes faster than all the other girls. Oh yeah, and that's Emma Pallant, who's uh, who's no bloody slouch when it comes to running. So uh, yeah, she would, she's going to be awesome. So Flora Duffy took it out. Emma Pallant was second, and then on the guys' side of things, you had a South African trifecta with Matt Trotman beating out Bradley Weiss and uh, Henry Schumann. So I think I might have even predicted Schumann to get third place. Uh, so good on me. So just on that, are you surprised he didn't run so well? A little bit, yeah, a little bit, but. Um, but he, he's a bit of a sprint distance specialist. He often fades a bit in the, over Olympic distance. That being said, he's still got a bronze medal at the, the last Olympics, but, but more often than not, he fades a bit over the long stuff. So not entirely surprised. Okay. Uh, the other race we had on over the weekend was Israel Mann. He had 30, 135 finishes in the full. Uh, who took that out, Jumbo? 
Oh, Bevan, I'm just going to have to click on that now. I've got to say my preparation tonight has been somewhat lacking. When I realised about 10 minutes ago we were recording, I thought, oh, I'd better get myself organised. Uh, so the Israel man, they, they didn't yeah, they didn't have a massive field in the, the, the full, but we had uh, Richard Richmond Near take it out. He's in the 35 to 39-year-old men. He just swam an hour. Bike 5.58, it's an insanely hard bike course, and then ran 3.34. Uh, and then on the female side of things, we had uh, Ar- Arahon Lorenz take it out. She was in the 40 to 44, winning by four minutes, uh, doing 13.05. Good times, rock and roll. Uh, just lastly on the PTO announcement, it was just one thing they also announced in the last couple of weeks was how a lot of the pro athletes are actually starting to be involved with uh, the directors and the board of directors. So you've got Alistair Brownlee, Paula Finlay, Lionel Sanders, and Sky um, Mochin. Uh, they have all been on the board of directors. Now, is that a token, or do you actually think they're going to have much participation as a part of this? Well, they've got the athlete board, and they're, they're additions to the athlete board. So you've already got Rachel Joyce, Tim O'Donnell, Dylan McNeese, Sarah Pampiano, uh, Scott DeFilippis, and Meredith Kessler on there. So, yeah, I think they will have it. They've got an athlete board and a business board. So I'm sure the business guys will be running the money side of it, and then the athletes will be uh, you know, coming up with the ideas, and then maybe the business board will keep them in line. And, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, they've, again, big, big names in there. So I think that, that bodes well. Good times. Last piece of news, Cameron Worth. He's gone on the road for a bit of pro cycling team. What's happening here? That's a bit crazy. And he's he's done it. He has rode in the past with a pro team, hasn't he? He has, and uh, I just saw that this morning actually. Um, so he's 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 often talking about how he's always training with uh, Garrett Thomas and uh, and dro- name dropping all over the place. But um, Team Ineos have actually signed him on to do a bit of riding. So I'd imagine it's just going to be for the first part of the year. So I'd imagine he's just going to be a domestique. They're just going to say, right, uh, Cameron, get on the front and just uh, and smash it out. So I think it'll complement his training, his Ironman training. And you know, he's now shown that he can run okay uh, swimming is so-so but if he can take his biking back up another couple of notches then he can be a real threat you know last year in Kona whilst he was strong on the bike uh, he wasn't necessarily as dominant as he has been in in the previous years so yeah it'll be interesting to see if he can uh, take his cycling up a couple of notches you know if he can get with his running now you know if he can get you know seven or eight minutes off the front on the bike um, he's probably not going to win it but he's got a chance of getting on the podium so good luck to him yeah good times John Sponsor Hi, I'm Zach and I'm here to talk about Fuel 5 and Fuel 5 Plus. Fuel 5 formula is composed of five sources of fuel which includes lactate along with four types of carbohydrates, sucrose, dextrose, maltodextrin and organic sweet potato. Sucrose and dextrose are fast acting carbohydrates providing immediate energy to working muscles. Maltodextrin and organic sweet potato are slow burning carbohydrates for longer and more strenuous activity to help delay fatigue. Lactate is your body's natural fuel source, in this case used to lower your body acid which may help muscle performance. Fuel 5 is best consumed pre, during and or post workout by combining one scoop per 6 to 8 ounces of liquid to replenish depleted carbohydrate stores in your body. Now let's look at Fuel 5 Plus. Fuel 5 Plus contains the same great sources of fuel as Fuel 5 but we have added 90 milligrams of caffeine from all natural green tea extract. Studies have shown that adding caffeine as a fuel and energy source before working out helps boost overall athletic performance. Fuel 5 Plus is recommended as a pre and during workout drink by combining one scoop to six to eight ounces of water 
find out more about Fuel 5 and Fuel 5 Plus, along with other X-Endurance products at xendurance.com. Okay, John, we've got, we're coming back from that, that amazing shoving the microphone sponsorship plug there to Extreme Endurance. Just again, guys, if you want to go to Extreme Endurance, go to xendurance.com. Great supplements. Um, get lots of good feedback from you guys, so check it out, extremeendurance.com. Jonbo, we've got a few interviews up. Who, who are we going to start with? We're going to start. Well, I think Torsten and Charles, if all goes according to plan, are going to be on the line together. So uh, listen in for Torsten talking about the rankings and Charles talking about the direction of the, the PTO and where this Collins Cup is going. Okay, here they are right now. Righto, guys. As you heard earlier in the show, um, this show is more or less dedicated to the, the Collins Cup with a few other bits and pieces going in. It was a couple of weeks ago now the announcement came out, and I think uh, the triathlon community is pretty excited about um, finally seeing this this sort of concept come off the ground. So we've got Charles Adamo, who you've had, we've had on the show before, and Torsten as well. We're going to talk to Charles a bit about how this sort of came about, and then talk to Torsten about the rankings, how they're derived, uh, who's currently projected to be in the teams and how that might change uh, change between now and race day so so Charles um, first to you how the hell did this uh, this all come about from where you were and wrote you know I think it was two years ago um, or a year and a half ago how did how did things eventuate to finding somebody who's going to sort of help fund and get this off the ground well great John uh, it may have been even longer than that actually yeah. now but uh, I think for your uh, more elderly uh, listeners Jerry Garcia might say what a long strange trip it's been uh, so I think we started about uh, almost four years ago now mm. it was athletes uh, who themselves got together uh, I think in uh, Bahrain trying to figure out a way maybe uh, to have a little bit of a voice and, and actually promote the sport uh, and they got together a while back uh, and they tried to figure out what the, was the best way to do that but being athletes and being very busy was difficult it's a very hard thing to do uh, so well, we started to assist them in trying to fo- get their focus uh, and then uh, we had uh, retained Wasserman the Wasserman group to help us and that's when we were at wrote because they had said yep yeah, this is fantastic we can do this and they were very helpful uh, and then they said we think this is harder than we thought that you should probably uh, go the investor route. Hmm. Uh, so that's when we kind of circled back, uh, went a little bit quiet. Uh, I think Wasserman were great. They gave us some very good advice. Uh, and then we, uh, we started uh, with the athletes because this is their, their organization, really, uh, trying to assist them in, in finding the right financial partner to bring them to the next level and be a real member of the triathlon community. So that was about two years ago when we started going down that road. And so run us through, you know, so you've got an investor now. Um, What's in it for him? Maybe tell us who he is, a little bit about him, and what's in it for him? Is he just going, I love the sport, I just want to, I'm happy to be a philanthropist and get it rolling? Or is he in it for the investment, thinking this is a long-term game and and I think this could could go somewhere where I actually get a return on my investment? Yeah, so it's very fascinating. So the whole investment process was really interesting because we uh, <clears throat> we spoke to a number of different groups. It was very important because this is a group of professional athletes. So it's important for them to have the right investor uh, with a long-term view. 
So we had spoken to a lot of groups, and we were very quiet for a while. If you recall, we didn't make a lot of noise, didn't have a lot to say. <clears throat> so then we, uh, every group that we spoke to was fascinated by what we were trying to say on behalf of the athletes. Uh, they thought the business model was great. Uh, they loved the demographics of the space. And then we would take out, at that point, uh, the budgets on what we expected uh, to pay the athletes, and almost every single one of them said, why are you paying them so much? You don't need to. Mm. They'll, they'll do it for less. Mm. Uh, and that instantly obviously was a signal for us that this is not the right type of investor because being a group of athletes, we were looking for an investor who saw athletes as an asset mm. to be invested in as opposed to an expense item just to keep your eye on. Uh, so then we met with uh, Mike Moritz and Crank Start and his team, gave them the same pitch a number of times, and uh, uh, their million-dollar question for us was, why is your sport so special? Why should we invest in triathlon as opposed to beach volleyball? Mm. And we said, well, our athletes are the greatest athletes on the face of the planet, and if people got to know what they accomplish by being properly promoted, this sport would boom. People would be amazed. And then, then I took a picture out of Chrissy Wellington's legs. It's a very uh, artistic, iconic picture. And I told them that these legs ran a 2.44 marathon after swimming 3.8 kilometers and biking 180 kilometers. And one of the guys in the room was a, uh, was a marathon runner. And he literally said to us, that's impossible. <laughs> and, I said, and I said, that's the point. You think it's impossible. Our athletes do it. And when the world comes to know it, this will be a, a very booming, almost mainstream sport. And then they said, great. They shook our hands and said, we're in. So, so for, in terms of the concept you're selling them, how much of it yep. is, the, is the Collins Cup? You know, because we, we just see the Collins Cup and we see the PTO on one side, but how big a part is the Collins Cup of what you're actually trying to sell to them and, and sort of where, where else is this going to lead to in terms of trying to you know, get the professional athletes a better living rather than just you know, the, the one-off event? Well, so that's a great point because <clears throat> the way this and, and the reason I think Crank Start and, and Moritz uh, are continued to be very excited about it is they're using the typical Silicon Valley model, which is the professional athletes organization own 50 percent of the commercial operations of this entity. Hmm. So they incentivize the people who have the most value to make this entity the most valuable. So it's not myself, it's not Sam, it's not anybody else. The athletes are the value here. So the PTO owns 50% of all the commercial operations. The Collins Cup is the first event. It's the marquee event, but it's just the beginning. Uh, so where we go from here, we've got plans. Uh, we'll share them with everybody when it's appropriate. But right now, the big focus is, is the Collins Cup. And really to get the whole triathlon community uh, well, rallied around it, because this is the professional triathletes own event and you know they're this new member of the triathlon community and our the view is that they want to help the community grow uh, they're just one member and they think by having an event that uh, they're going to put a lot of effort behind can raise the exposure of the sport and therefore raise all boats 
So it's, it's really about them engaging with, with everybody, with everybody. So um, we obviously see, you know, like the Kona coverage each year, um, and, you know, that's a, 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 whatever, you know, 10-hour production, and at times, yeah. you know, it's, it's like, oh, God, this is, this, is, this is really cool, and for the hardcore triathletes, they can sit there and watch it and go, lap it all up. Um, then we see the Super League and what a fantastic job they've done in terms of presenting triathlon in a different way, and then you've got the ITU, which is somewhere in the middle. It's a bit of a ho-hum at times, and then it can get really exciting. So I think a lot of people are wondering... Um, what's the production behind the the event or what what do you know at this stage and what sort of things can we expect to try to keep athletes engaged and also the you know the general public engaged uh, so it's great uh, great question because already we're not having too much problem having people be engaged and I'll share a story with one of the athletes who's already contacting his captains asking for a matchup <laughs> uh, but, I, but I think one of the unique things about it is it models a Ryder Cup so we're not original, uh, but uh, this is the Ryder Cup, if you're familiar with, in golf. just turns golf into a, uh, a blood sport. Mm. I mean, golf is typically could be viewed almost as dull as maybe a, a long-distance triathlon race at times. Mm. Uh, but the, tri- but the, the Ryder Cup turns it into a massive uh, general sports audience, uh, partly because it, it, it elicits the patriotism associated with Americans in Europe. Uh, and then also the one-on-one matches that prevail. And that's the same thing that we have here, which is really perfectly designed. You have 12 individual matches of three athletes, USA, Europe, and internationals. As you know, the format, the, the, the three athletes shake hands, the gun goes off, and that's it. That's just their match. And then 10 minutes later, the next match goes off. And 10 minutes later, the next match goes off. So you have 12 matches out on the course, any one of them which and be uh, extra exciting at any point, as opposed to just a normal race. If, if someone's way ahead, you know, I, I always have a lot of empathy for the, the announcers uh, mm. having to announce that Danielle is still still moving her legs. Yeah, <laughs> twenty minutes ahead. Look at her move. It's very hard. But here you have twelve matches, and then when you talk about the engagement, as I said, we had not announced within twenty-four hours. I'm not going to give names yet, but there were uh, athletes contacting their captains and saying, I want to race against so-and-so. Yeah. You give me him, and I will win, or you'll take me off in a stretcher. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's starting, and, and I think it's, it, that's, it's natural, because here the athletes have, this is their, this is their event, uh, and it's well-suited for this kind of rivalry, uh, and uh, we'll hope uh, it will be, and from a production standpoint, you know, we'll, we have 12 matches, we'll have lots of cameras, We'll have the athletes mic'd during the bikes and the run. Uh, lots of opportunities for the captains to interact with them. So really nothing uh, that's been seen before in the sport. Mm. Um, I, I guess a lot of people have got this question. They've, they've seen you know, $2 million, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, the athletes are getting paid you know, for triathlon and triathlon terms really, really well to, to be there. Um, what, why was the decision made to go purely based on rankings uh, in terms of paying the highest ranked athletes as opposed to some combination of being the rankings versus prize money? So you know, from my point of view, I guess I look at it and go, yep, they're, they're, that's great. They're getting good money. But what's the motivation for the athletes to be in peak condition for this event? Um, uh, I know they're all going to race hard when they go against each other, but but why why no prize money and why sort of all ranking based? 
Yeah, so it, that that answer has a, a couple of uh, <clears throat> points to it. So, so first on the ranking base, uh, again we model on the Ryder Cup, and if you look at what tennis does for the Olympics, uh, the the Ryder Cup golfers don't get paid anything to be in the Ryder Cup, zero. Mm. All right, but it takes them a whole year to qualify, so they earn their qualification, right, to be on the team for a whole year's worth of of, of performance. Uh, so for us, we modeled that in that. Yes, you qualified by being on the team on the Collins Cup for a year of hard work and performance. Now, the only difference between golf and tennis is that golfers and tennis players during that hard year of performance actually get paid really well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it doesn't matter that they don't get paid anything or if only the winning team got something and the losing team didn't. For us, we're using the Collins Cup as a mechanism to pay the athletes for all that hard work that they put in. And then when they get to the starting line, it's all just pride. I mean, these people... Believe me, they're not going to want to lose. <clears throat> it's just a great, it's a great way to for us to reward them for a year's worth of hard work. Which, to be fair, the space has not done the best job in in doing that. Uh, and then, you, then obviously, you have uh, you never know what happens on the day. Uh, people will just compete really hard, uh, and it, and it's for the cup, just like the Ryder Cup. Yeah. So, so how much? Um, you know, we've seen the the board that you've got now. You've got the the athletes board, and then you've kind of got the the board of uh, the business sort of board. Um, yeah. You know, what what? How do they sort of interact, and and how much involvement do the athletes actually have, or the athletes on the board? Yeah. So again, economically, the PTO and the athletes own fifty percent of all. The operations that flow from it uh, so they're economically incentivized from a pure uh, management standpoint at the board level uh, they have quite a lot of involvement uh, if you look at other professional sports that are similarly modeled uh, golf for instance golf has no golfers on the bit on the board that operates the business end of it uh, it's uh, they have uh, the golfers who advise but the board is all retired business executives so we've split it where the, there's athletes who are on the board and there's a separate business board and the two boards have to agree to kind of move forward on everything. Mm. Uh, it's hard to try. It's impossible to track investment when athletes are 100% running things just because uh, different athletes have uh, different levels based on whether they're arising uh, in their career or, or falling off in their career. And when we started to, to investigate the best practices in how to operate a professional organization, uh, that's the advice we got. You should have a, uh, the athletes and, and a business board uh, together working on, uh, on the uh, direction. Yeah, so I guess so. all the, the board agreed on the, the distances, the, how the prize money was structured, so they had a, a big say in, in how that was all yep. worked out. 100%. Cool. Um, Torsten, I'll come over to you for a second. Um, so we've got the, the rankings, and so we know there's going to be uh, 12 athletes from each um, division coming in. Can you maybe give us a bit of a summary on how the rankings, how, basically how the rankings are, are, are brought about <laughs> as opposed to you know your tri-rating rankings um, for, for Ironman stuff? Just give us a rundown on how it all works. Right. I mean, the the first thing that that made the rankings interesting is that we uh, need to put together results and uh, athletes that are racing different distances. So my stuff is usually focused on either the full distance or the 70.3 distance, whereas what we were looking for for the world rankings is put together um, athletes that do different distances and try to um, put them all in one order and put them all in one big ranking. So what we started is is look at 
um, what's a good measure of performance on, and consistency performance um, that an athlete needs to show to be ranked well. And uh, we, uh, yeah, d discussed a couple of different options and figured out that um, ranking or position in a race, if you win a race, it, it is usually a good thing, but it doesn't really tell you whether that was a good performance or not because a lot of the stuff is dependent on who else was in the race, um, what quality of field that you have. Obviously, in Kona, you have a decent field, uh, but Kona and maybe the 70.3 World Championships that we've had, maybe the championship that Challenge does, um, those are basically the only races where you have a wide uh, acceptance of athletes uh, across uh, the, the whole uh, top of our sport. And any other races just have very few athletes um, at that level. So mm. we figured that uh, position in a race is uh, not sufficient to identify good performances. And then we looked at the times. And times is obviously um, yeah, a little bit better, but we need to take into account whether that was on a fast course or on a slow course. And that's exactly what my uh, background and the, the value that I was able to bring to the table here that um, we can uh, assess the level of a performance uh, regardless of what course it's on and the way we're doing it is that we're basically doing uh, my numbers and come up with a uh, the term is the official term when you read the ranking protocol is um, adjusted ideal time uh, the short version is I, I always call that what would uh, Frodo or Daniela be able to do uh, mm. on this course in if they were in top shape and we call that a hundred percent if you go faster you get a little bit more than a hundred percent if you go slower even if you win or if you win by half an hour or so uh, you get a little bit less than a hundred percent and then um, yeah you can bring in basically four results from the last 12 months and maybe one of those can be an older one and that's the total number of points that you get so it's I mean there's there's a lot of moving parts in there um, we've been running these rankings basically since uh, the idea of the Collins Cup was announced in Rot in 20... Charles, which year was that? 2017, I think? I think it was... Um, yeah. We've been running the rankings since then and um, always a little bit tweaks and twists here and there. Uh, but overall, it's been working really well. And if you look at the top-ranked athletes, I don't think there's a big discussion that uh, these are the best athletes and athletes that you might think you should be there. Um, yeah, just just didn't have a good uh, 2019 season, and uh, are if you're coming from that viewpoint, um, justly not in the top ranked athletes there. Mm. So, in terms of the the races that you include, um, obviously Ironman races, challenge races. Do you include any Olympic distance, or it's just sort of uh, challenge and Ironman, and, and are there any others that you include as well? No, the wording we came up with uh, races with a uh, professional field uh, with uh, sufficient price money. I think ten thousand dollars overall price money is that we use as a guideline, uh, longer than Olympic distance. Mm. Um, so no Olympic distance races in there, um, and yeah, basically without language uh, from what race organizer that is. So we include all the pro races that Ironman puts on. We put in all the result, uh, the, all the races that Challenge puts up, and there's a couple of in, um, independent races that are also included there. Um, Altuez, Emberman, mm -hmm. uh, all these these iconic races, um, um, uh, part of Turanga and so on. So mm -hmm. a, a lot of uh, athletes we try to go as wide as possible. A lot of races we try to go as wild wide as possible there. And um, yeah, we've had a couple of athletes reaching out to us and say, please include this result there. And as long as these results, uh, these races fit the criteria that we put up, then there's no problem in including them. 
Um, so, you know, if you've been watching the, the rankings for a couple of years now, um, we're in February now. The race is at the end of um, May. Um, yep. How much movement can we likely expect between uh, now and when the race actually rolls around? Yeah, we, we figured that uh, there, we need a bit of lead time to finalize the team and to get everyone uh, firmly uh, online for for Summerine there. So the cutoff date for the this year's Collins Cup is going to be at uh, the start of May. I think the last races are going to be um, Ironman St. George and I guess Ironman Australia is on the same weekend. To, so that uh, first weekend of May is going to be the cutoff date. After that, the four... Uh, male and females for each of the teams that will be picked from the rankings will be announced and the captains will uh, come up with their choice for the for the captain's picks. Mm. Um, how much movement is there going to be? Well, um, there's a couple of results uh, for each of the athletes that might be at the front there that are going to uh, age out because then they'll be more than 12 months uh, ago and either get uh, reduced in their points or uh, maybe fall out of the rankings completely. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's going to be some change, uh, but that'll mostly affect those uh, athletes that raced uh, in the first couple of months uh, last year again. So maybe Lucy Charles will slightly fall back, um, but she's got a ton of good results from last year. Uh, but a couple of others that, for example, did well in um, in, in South Africa last year or in New Zealand last year, Braden Curry, I think, is falling back a bit uh, because he's had all these results um, um, Starkey might be falling back a bit, so um, yeah, we're we're just working on getting that information up on the website too, so that uh, you can see what the rankings would be like if this were uh, May second, and then who needs to race again to move into the top four spots there. Cool. So guys, if you want to check out the the where the rank ratings rankings are sitting, you can go to the CollinsCup.com. Um, so Torsten, give us a quick rundown of uh, of the teams as they in terms of the top four of for each region on how they actually look as of today. If you've got that in front of you. Sure. Which which team do you want to start with? Uh, let's go with Europe. <laughs> you, you've got to say Europe's looking pretty strong at this stage. I think that's going to be a big ask. Um, but I guess that's where the tactics come in. So so start start with Europe. Well, if we're looking at Europe, currently the team would be uh, Daniela Rief, uh, Lucy Charles, Anna Haug, and Holly Lawrence. Um, and I think that's one, two, four, and five of the rankings overall, so that'll be tough to beat. Um, they've also got a couple more that are interesting to follow up. And similar on the men's side, you've got Frodeno, Brownlee, Keenle, and Gomez. And if all four of these uh, actually do show up in the race, and they'll be hard to beat. Um, yes, it will be interesting to see... Um, them uh, race uh, the other teams there. Mm. So Charles, um, if I just come back to you for for a moment in terms of locking athletes in and, and who's who's committed and who's not, you know, um, we hope that all the athletes are keen. Um, how do we sort of do, do you know who said yep, definitely I'm 100 percent in? Um, or what what sort of feedback have you had from the athletes at this stage? Yeah, oh, great. Uh, I'll just comment quickly on what Thorsten said about the, the rankings uh, right now, and then I'll answer that question if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so obviously the first four are automatic qualifiers, and then the captains uh, advise the kind of uh, uh, non-athlete board about who they would like on the team from a captain's pick perspective. Uh, and, and like the Ryder Cup, there's there's actually a fair bit of movement usually in the four, five, and six spot mm. where people can go in and out of just – where they can qualify automatically so they don't have to rely on the captain's pick 
So there's usually a lot of tension about that because sometimes captains are saying, well, I wish this guy would qualify automatically because I don't want to waste the captain's pick on them. Mm. I want my captain's pick for someone else. So there's a little bit of strategy there. Uh, and then, so I, I live in Europe. I'm an American and I'm married to a Canadian. So I have no loyalty on any particular team. All right. <laughs> but uh, I, w- I will suggest that just because Europe is strongest on paper, uh, that's just not the where races are run. They're, mm. they're run on the, on the, on the course. So, uh, Mark Allen is is uh, uh, on record as saying you underestimate the power of the stars and stripes at your peril. <laughs> nice. <laughs> how, how do the so, how do the captains picks um, work? Is it is it literally they do they can just pick anybody or or do they? So they can they well they they rec- make recommendations to the non athlete board because uh, the captains can be very close to athletes and they could coach athletes. So we want to make sure there's no conflicts. That it's 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 uh, t- totally clear of anything like that. Uh, and then it's strategy. I mean, there, there are obviously some Olympic distance athletes who do some short distance, a longer distance, but not enough to be in the rankings, uh, who might be solid uh, picks. Uh, you just never know. Um, yeah, if, if you just look at, I mean, we, we discussed a couple of, of potential um, um, captain's picks there um, amongst us, um, and, and you should just think a lot beyond just uh, picking the fifth and sixth ranked uh, athletes uh, from based on the rankings, but just to think completely outside the box. I mean, we, we discussed, for example, Flora Duffy has done a 70.3 mm. in South Africa and won that. Uh, would she be someone interested in racing the Collins Cup? Or the Norwegians, Gustav Eden on the 70.3 distance and Christian Blumenfeld, those those might be athletes that, even though they're not ranked uh, all that well because they haven't done that many races longer than the Olympic distance in the last uh, 12 months, they might still be very interesting uh, additions to the Collins Cup and um, create some extra extra stir in the in the Collins Cup and maybe um, yeah make these obvious picks uh, that the Europeans are so far ahead of everyone else. Charles, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe make that a little bit more interesting. If you put a Flora Duffy in the mix, uh, who yep. knows if she's she's able to take up. Um, um, Lucy Charles or, or Daniela. Mm, Sarah True is probably another one who had a terrible year, and she'd uh, she'd obviously be probably almost an automatic pick for for the Americans. So, um, Torsten, maybe just run us through the for the the uh, current standings for the world team and the and the Americans. So the international uh, ladies would at this point be Sarah Crowley, Carrie Lester, Teresa Adam, and Paula Findlay. Paula, another one of those mm. interesting ones who's just easily moved up to the distance, and no one really knows what her potential is uh, in in those tight uh, races. And on the men's side, we've got Lionel Sanders, Cam Worth, Braden Curry, Tyler Butterfield, with uh, yeah a bunch of athletes just shortly behind there. Uh, Maddie Troutman just just outside who won uh, 70.3 South Africa too. So it's not like they're there are a bunch of dummies racing up there even no. if the Europeans are a little bit better ranked Yeah. and USA uh, would currently be on the ladies side uh, Heather Jackson, uh, Sky Munch if she uh, gets back uh, into racing form again Chelsea Sodaro, Sarah Piampiano maybe with uh, Jocelyn McCauley uh, coming up if Sky doesn't get in shape in time mm. so also really interesting uh, matchups that we can expect there and then on the male side it would be Ben Hoffman uh, Rudy von Berg, who's also really strong on the 70.3 distance, um, Tim O'Donnell, and then it's really tight between Matt Hansen, who's more of a long-distance focus, and Andrew Starikovic, uh, who would also be one of those that would make 70.3 racing really interesting. Got to have Starkey on the start line. <laughs> Just go <laughs> ballistic at this sort of racing. 
Yeah, and he's he's also one of those types where you think he'd be really strong in this one-on-one racing mm. that's a little bit different than than this big fields in the 70.3s that he's usually racing at. Mm. Nice. Um, and another one, I'd say Ben Canute uh, might be another good pick for, for the American side of things. Um, so, Charles, um, the other questions I had for you, just, just give us a rundown on, you know, so it's over the weekend of the 29th and 30th of May, which is the same time as the championship um, event over there. Um, so give us a rundown on, is this going to be like a morning event, middle of the day, evening event, and, and what impact is it going to have on the, the championship race? Yeah, so it's going to be two things. Uh, the day before, or it might be two days, we're still figuring it out now, uh, the, the captains will select the matchups for the teams. Uh, and it's done as if a draft. So, for example, USA will name their athlete for race number one, and then Europe will decide who they want to be against that athlete, and then internationals decide next. And then for match two, the Europeans would have to propose an athlete first, and then the internationals. So there's a little game theory there, uh, which will give everyone a day to settle and criticize and decide who made the right choices and who didn't. Uh, and then the race goes off on the 30th in the early afternoon, because part of the point of the race and potentially having the whole sport grow for the benefit of the triathlon community is to have uh, an accessible broadcast. So we're in Europe. We want to make sure that the, uh, it's it's obviously televised times in Europe as well as, as, well as the United States. Mm. You know, ha- having a 6 a.m. start in Europe is not you help doesn't help anybody really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and same thing in the U.S. Uh, you know, the, the Kona. Uh, coverage in Germany is in the middle of the night. Mm. Uh, so we try to be as friendly to the biggest markets that we have, which is Europe and the United States. Uh, so that's how it works from a time perspective. Then the championship itself uh, is the next day. And obviously those athletes who were not able to qualify for the Collins Cup will be able to race for the championship and, and, and be part of the whole triathlon weekend celebration. Sweet. Um, and in terms of your long-term plan, you know, we had some questions on Facebook. You know, where you sell, see yourself in sort of five years, I guess, from the Collins Cup point of view, and also the professional triathlons organisation or triathletes organisation. Where do you sort of see yourself going? And is the venue sort of set in stone for the uh, for in Slovakia for for some time, or is it just this year and then you'll see where things go? Uh, no, so exactly like the Ryder Cup, uh, the venue will change and go to one of the other country uh, entities or entities mm. because uh, so we've got this one's in Europe. Uh, the next one will either be in the United States or in the internationals, mm-hmm. and then we'll rotate it again for the third year. So there's a constant rotation so that the fans from each territory can uh, can experience what a Collins Cup is. Uh, so. So that's uh, how it will how it rotate. And in the longer term, uh, we what we've seen, what you see from sports history is that when the professionals start to get together and market the sport, the whole sport starts to boom for the whole benefit of the tri- uh, of the community. So when both the PGA golfers started to uh, more or less operate some of their own things and the tennis players, both those sports started to boom at that point. So uh, we uh, hope to be following that model. Uh, take a place among the community uh, and really help uh, the sport grow because where it grows is usually when, uh, uh, as we explained to the investor group, you know, when the whole sporting community starts to see what these top athletes do. You know, very few people watch amateur tennis. Uh, 
Mm. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, a fair bit watch Wimbledon. Uh, but watching Wimbledon allows the sport to fund uh, lots of other programs, uh, you know, youth programs, a, you know, what they call age group, but uh, tennis club programs, tons of programs get sponsored, get funded by the revenue that's generated by Wimbledon. Mm. So that's clearly why the direction we would want to go and, and be a member of the uh, community. Wicked. Um, look, I know there's, we, we had quite a few other questions on Facebook, but a lot of them are going to be, I guess, just have to see how the first year pans out. You know, we had a question about whether you tweak the geographic regions because, you know, on paper it looks like Europe are, are very strong, but as you pointed out, anything can, can happen on the day. Um, I mean, there's so many questions, but I guess from your point of view, you just got to get one under your belt and, and see how it goes. But any, any other things that you want to point out that I haven't perhaps asked you about, Charles, at this stage? Uh, yeah, I'll get to one, but I will comment on, on the geographic stuff because it was intentional uh, and partly because I can say this because I'm American. Uh, what drives the Ryder Cup is the overly patriotic level of Americans. Uh, they can be really obnoxious, and that drives the Europeans to counter with equal patriotism. So people were suggesting you should have Canada part of the United States and be North America, but no one sits on the sidelines and says, go North America. They yeah. say USA, USA, USA. So it's, it's to drive that, that patriotism and, and that uh, kind of angry uh, reaction to others' patriotism. Uh, so uh, we'll see That's how that goes. I think overall, we're just excited. We're really happy. It's taken a long time, and the athletes have worked really hard to get here, and it wasn't easy for them to get here. It never is. Uh, a little bit of a herding cats, but now that they've arrived as a group, I think they're really keen and excited about being part uh, of the whole triathlon community and maybe uh, to be able to get the support of everybody because when the support goes out uh, into the grassroots and returns uh, to viewing the Collins Cup, then what happens is uh, we're able to continue to uh, reinvest it in the whole sport. Uh, and that's and that's the joy of the PTO being basically not for profit is that you don't really whatever comes out of it doesn't go to pay uh, you know, hedge funds or mm. banks or or other highly leveraged entities. Mm. Wicked. I'm oh, looking forward to it. Torsten, any other points you want to make in terms of the rankings or, or anything else uh, you want to comment on? Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff floating around in my mind and ideas on how to make that race weekend uh, more interesting. I mean, I'm, one of the things I'm trying to get a handle on is what would be a good strategy for uh, the non-European teams to um, uh, create the matchups. Um, is it good to say uh, whoever races Frodeno, he'll lose anyway, so we'll just put up the weakest athlete there? Um, or should we have someone who's really fired up to race uh, for Daniel put up there. Um, there's just so many moving parts and just the number of combinations that are possible um, kind of blow my mind at this point. And I think that um, even if I can't get a handle on the data, um, then uh, things will be really, really um, interesting what will happen on the weekend. And I'm just thrilled uh, to be part of helping hopefully make that uh, both compelling coverage uh, for 
the triathlon geeks like me and also for the general public out there. Mm. Wicked, guys. Um, so uh, for the audience out there, uh, my suggestion would be if there's any uh, challenge races out there that you can qualify f- to go and do the championship, this would be a pretty cool opportunity to actually go over and do do a race and combine it with some spectating the day before. It should be awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think we're hopefully we're all looking forward to this. And uh, I'm going to keep in touch with Torsten on a regular basis in terms of how the rankings are sort of moving and we'll get him on the show from time to time. And then we'll look forward to uh, that last weekend of March. So, guys, thanks so much for your time. If everybody wants to follow the race uh, or follow the build-up, you go to thecollinscup.com. All the rankings and all the information's up there. So, guys, thanks for your time. And uh, we look forward to seeing how things pan over the next couple of months. Yeah, thanks, John, and hopefully see you in Summerine. So just on the interview team, we have we, we pre-recorded this part of the show before we did the interview, but I'm sure John did a pretty good job of getting everything out there and give you some good insight into this. Exciting times. I'm sure pretty much all of us will be sitting down watching that race in the end of May, so game on. John, but let's, do Winger. Oh, let's do our second interview, actually. Our second interview, we had Caroline Stefan on the show a few weeks ago. John and I did an interview a few weeks ago just to talk about mothering and running and racing and also where she's at in her career and just some really good insight on you know, a pretty successful career. So here is Caroline Stephan. And the audio quality is not the greatest on this, so just just bear with it. Yep, here is Caroline right now. Sweet. Okay, guys, um, I was thinking to myself last week, uh, I wonder what Caroline Stephan's up to these days because we saw her, she had some really good races, uh, 70.3s. We, I remembered a, a really epic battle with um, Laura Sedil at Ironman Australia last year so I was really keen to give her an update so welcome back to the show Caroline thanks for uh, still thinking about me <laughs> <laughs> even had a bit of <laughs> had a bit of an average year of people forget pretty quick so yeah thanks for having me back well as, as people may or may not know you had a child um, a couple of years ago I think so um, maybe just what was the motivation to get back into triathlon you know things change after you've had a baby often um, yes, yeah, Andrew just turned two in Christmas, so um, he had return. I wasn't quite quite sure if I want to return or not, to be honest. Um, but then when he was born, I thought of thought I'd give it a go. Just you know, start a few things like a little bit of swim and run, just to get back to fitness. And then um, I, I was just wondering if there's something behind that, you know, that super superman power you get, mm-hmm. and. Um, I spoke to Brett Sutton and he was very keen to give me a hand and um, yeah, we worked together and I ended up really, yeah, really fit and really quick and had a, probably one of my best seasons. The first year, the first year I was born and the second year was a bit rough, um, it was a bit harder, he gets older and um, actually gets more work. A lot of people think uh, newborns are a lot of work, they're not a lot of work, but once they turn one or, and that was especially it's just, yeah, it's much more work than in that start um how hard was it you know um how hard was it for you to get your fitness back to a good level you said you, you know you got back and you were winning 70.3s but was it really really hard work or um or just took a little bit of time it was really hard um i thought it's going to be back in full fitness um pretty quick but that was not the fact uh, it took me more than half a year to lose all the baby weight and you know get back in the in the swing to be able to do all three in the, in the perfect um, perfect shape, but then it, it got it got really I got really fast um, and ended up quite actually faster than before I had Zandy, which was very interesting. And I start racing 
way faster and um, I did back-to-back racing and um, had probably one of my best Ironmans in um, Western Australia in December. So, yeah, I was um, quite happy with this, the second half of the year. Mentally, did you find um, we, mentally were you in a different place? You know, um, before it was probably you know it was all about me in terms of getting the best out of yourself. But now you've got another element to your life, or was it pretty much the same in terms of when you're out there racing? It was as it was before. Mm, no, it it was different, especially in training. I um, I probably trained less hours, but more intensity because I literally had no. You know, no spare time. So whenever I swim, rode my bike or ran, it was just pretty much um, all in um, to make it short and quick and go back to get back home to my baby. So, um, and then once you're home, you don't really care anymore how the training went. Where back in the days, you know, you have um, too much time on your hands to think about what you just did and oh, I should have done it better and um, should have done this and that. But when you have um, a child to look after, you don't you don't have that time anymore. So I literally went outside and um, ran whatever I had to do, went home, and then that was it. You know, there's no, oh, I go one more lap and I should have this and that. Um, there's no more coffee breaks. There's no more um, mm-hmm. uh, need an hour in the morning to get ready to go. I literally, three, two, one, go, you know, and then... <laughs> Swap. Um, Pete looks after the baby. I'm out, and I got exactly two hours, and then I'm back. Um, it's it's a different mindset, especially when you're not training. Um, you don't think about always the training and triathlon, and um, yeah. So that I really enjoyed that factor. It was, was different, different. Yeah. So it sounds like you're saying it made you a rounder person, um, not so one dimensional, but also I imagine how do you find the energy? Because we all know that bringing up kids takes a lot of energy um, because the benefit of the old life was you could rest really well. So how did you manage that? What do you mean? Sorry. What do you mean? Like, as in like, because, you know, when you, before you had a child, you, one of the problems you just identified was that you could end up just thinking about triathlon too much and that having yeah. a child allowed you to not think about triathlon because you could just, you had your child. But also there's lots of demands of bringing up a child. So you've added that to your life where maybe in the past you would have been resting a bit more. So how did you find having two parts of your life that were both pretty demanding? How did you manage that? Um, for me personally, I thought it brings a balance into my life. Um, okay. I didn't thought that would happen, but um, I thought my my life was pretty balanced. But then having um, something else in my life shows me actually I was very unbalanced with just having travel on it, and I was very focused. And maybe that's why I had success before. And um, but maybe you know we we in that little travel bubble and. People don't see outside of that bubble, so having Xander gave me that opportunity to um, pop that bubble and have something else. And I figured out it works really well. When he was little, now it's a bit different because he um, he needs more time. You know, he wants to go outside, he wants to play, he's running around. There's no more. Uh, when he was little, he sit down and you know he's he's a baby. He's not going anywhere, so I can still rest and look after him. Uh, where now it gets harder because he's um, he's running around, you know, there's no more sitting down and have a rest. It's mum, this, mum, that, and um, which is fine, which is fine, you know, I absolutely love it. So, yeah. 
So um, I'm always interested. I know you did a lot of 70.3 racing, a lot of Ironman racing, and I know before your baby, you were kind of you had a little period there where you went away from Ironman racing um, and just did 70.3s with some really good success. Um, now you're on your comeback. You know you've, you've you started with some really good 70.3s. Um, did you consider just sticking with them, and and what motivated you to to get back on the Ironman um, bandwagon? I literally just want to see how fast I can go after having a baby. Um, that's why Western Western Australia uh, last year, and um, I never thought it was going to be that fast. And again, my mindset was just completely different in that race, you know. And I just went for it, um, whatever it takes in the race, and um, I ended up really fast, which which was a big surprise after having not been racing Ironman for I think it was more than three years nearly. Mm. And then I got a counter slot, and um, I wasn't very keen to take it. And then Brett said, oh, maybe just take it and then see how we go. And um, I ended up going to Kona, which was a disaster, but that's fine, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you, uh, <laughs> yeah. That was just, you know, if, if I wouldn't have gone, I probably would regret it because I, I didn't know how it would end up. But, yeah, yeah so something you have to... Give it a go, and if it ends up bad, and at least you had a go. So yeah. And why, why was it a disaster? Was it just a, a shitty day, or was the preparation bad, or did you explode? What 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 sort of made it a bad day? Um, I would say it was a combination of a bit of everything. Um, first of all, the leading up was just very stressful. Um, the month or weeks before the training was pretty hard. Um, I was by myself. Um, with some friends in Maui, um, they helped me with the end of I had um, no one else over there, so I was pretty full on training home and then straight into um, let's go to the playground, which you shouldn't do, you know, in 30 degrees in Maui. Um, got all the time to the playground where you should rest. So yeah, the leading up was really hard. I was very exhausted when I got to Kona, but. I thought, well, I can do that, you know, super mom, I can do that. <laughs> and second was I got a bit of, um, a little bit of dodgy knees in a couple of months as well, which was not 100% there, so sometimes running was a bit of, bit of problem. Um, and then probably just not fast enough anymore, mm. you know, and I lost lost the feet at the swim start. The first 200 metres, I was on the wrong feet. Uh, it took me a while to figure out I was on the wrong feed and then the game was over. You know, the first group was gone. I, I always swim in the first group. My, my swim was there. You know, I, I felt really good in the swim, all the sessions, everything. But, yeah, just stuffed up the start and that's sometimes enough to, yeah. What, what, what's what's the... What's, what's when you look, when you look at your career, you know, you, you you know, there was a time in your career you were aiming to be the number one in the world, and arguably there are times where you are the best athlete in the world. What what's the motivation now? What what shifts in motivation? You know, where you are in the latter part of your career, but you're still racing. Like, what's what's the the thing that keeps you ticking? Hmm. Um. One thing is probably just a habit, you know, to keep racing and training because. Uh, I just enjoy what I'm doing, yeah. uh, no matter what other people say or think. Um, I think that's important. You know, if you want to do something, it doesn't matter how good you are, you just you just do it. Um, but that one with full army, that's probably uh, 
I'm not quite sure if I head back to full Ironman. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I haven't anything planned yet for this season. At the moment, I'm on a sort of break for racing. I'm not racing at the moment. So, yeah, I have to get my head around of what exactly I want to do. And that was going to be my next question. So no no plans for this season? Like, uh, just going to see what happens? Yeah, at the moment, I'm just going to see what happens. Um, I start um, looking into, start coaching a little bit. Um, some age group isn't done to track. Um, taking over some pros, um, but I don't want to rush that one. I don't, want to, I don't want to be one of those that just stop racing and then just coach. Um, I want to do my, you know, I want to do my study first and make sure I'm, I'm good in what I'm doing. Mm. And then, uh, but that takes a while, that transition. And yeah, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to race next, but mm. at the moment, there's nothing planned. I just um, do my training and um, yeah. Nice. Look after Zandon, being a mum. Well, just, just on that, you know, like, because um, your job was being a professional triathlete. Um, and so do you feel the pressure to have to earn income elsewhere or um, have, have you allowed the space or set yourself up so you can actually just be the mum while you can study to be, you know, move towards a different part of your career? Yeah, I mean, being a mum is a job too, you know. Yeah. It's, a, it's a massive job. Yeah. And um, I, and I love it. I really enjoy it. And, and now train a bit less. And you know, when he sleeps, I can I can do my studying and start maybe something different. And being a mum, you know, be there in the morning when he wakes up, and be there at, um, when he wants to go to playground. Not being in a rush. Oh, we can go a half an hour, and then that's it. You know, I really enjoy the fact that at the moment I have much more time for him, and I can and can be a mum. And it's a massive job. You know, it's a massive responsibility and. Um, yeah, I really enjoy it. It's probably one of my best times in my life. So, yeah, it's good. Here's, here's an interesting question. What have you learned that you wish you knew when you're in the peak of your career? Oh, you never, never, you never know when it's peak of your career. People always want to have more, you know, more, more, more. <laughs> That's what my son says at the moment, more, more. Um, <laughs> That's all he said. It's uh, it's hard to peak, you know, because when you have a good race. I mean, last year in Western Australia, I had I had one of the best races ever, and I maybe should have said, you know what, that's it, and walk away. But I mean, who knows? You know, looking looking back, I still had a couple wins last year, and um, yeah, I haven't done great in Ironman last year. With um, Port Macquarie was a disaster, and uh, Hamburg wasn't great, and then Kona, but. I had a couple wins in seventy point three, and I don't know. Um, I think the way it is, it, it's perfect. You know, you have to make your way, and then one, at one point, you realise if that's on the top or not. It doesn't really matter. You realise, you know what? I just move on and do something else. So, yeah. So, so anything you want to promote? Um, I know you guys are still dealing with um, the massive. Forest fires over there. Any anything you want to get out there in terms of anything you're doing, you want to promote? Yeah, we um, we started this auction on um, on Facebook on Pete Murray's Facebook page at the moment. We started yesterday with an auction for um, items from pro athletes and um, get some money to get affordable bushfires in uh, in Western Australia and yeah, in, in Australia. Um, the donation goes wherever the athletes want to send their money to. So. Um, yeah, definitely, it's different um, charities. Uh, are going to have a race kit up probably in day four or five, I think. 
uh, the race kit and a hat, and my money goes to the Koala Hospital in Port Macquarie, nice. which they're desperate to um, get some money to look after all their burned burn koalas. And, uh, yeah, maybe just um, have a look on Pete Murray, Pete Murray's page and um, donate some money for Good Coast. Awesome. Uh, we'll, we'll do some promoting on that on our Facebook page. So, Just, just one last question. Um, what tip would you give to new mothers who do the sport, maybe not at your level, but just to do triathlon as a junior? What would be a tip that you'd give them just from some insight you've gained? Just um, don't rush it. Um, take your time. Um, another thing I should be doing a lot of um, new mums going back into full training and racing really quick, and that's that's fine. But, um, that's not for everyone, you know. I think yeah, that's a bit of um, it could be um, a bit tricky for new mums to see that and then you know feel guilty of not being back doing what they did before. So. Um, um, as an example, it took me 12 weeks to go back to running. You know, everyone is different, so don't 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 rush it. Um, do your own thing and enjoy your baby. And when you think you're ready to go back into um, biking around, then um, do it in your own term. That's mm. my biggest tip I can give. Yeah, such an important message, isn't it? Because you don't want to miss, you know, the opportunity to develop that bond with your child because you're so worried about training. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very important time and. Um, to get back to full fitness, that's that's not a you know you will go back to full fitness and um, down the track. I mean, at the end, it doesn't really matter, you know. And if it's not your job, then it definitely doesn't matter. Yeah, um, yeah. Do it in your own time and um, don't don't feel the pressure of social media of going back to you know those six packs of um, full fitness after having a baby because that's just bullshit. Yeah. Some, some of us never had six packs. <laughs> <laughs> and some of us have never had babies. So yeah. it's, but, you know, but, but, but it's also really, you've made a really good point there, which is really important, is to trust you can get back to fitness. Because I imagine for a lot of people when they're in that kind of, you know, birthing, birthing period, that they, they feel they'll never be able to get back. And so that's maybe why they rush um, and, you know, kind of go against what you're kind of advising there. But if you can trust, hey, You'll be able to get back to it when the time is right. It's a really important thing to remember as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you grow a baby over 10 months. You know, it's 40 weeks you grow a baby and you can't expect your body to grow back in like two months. You know, that's just not possible. Um, I always said at least the time your body needs to grow the baby, it has to, needs the same time to grow everything back because all the organs have to move back in and all the muscles and... Um, body fatty put on because you want to have a healthy baby and all that you know everyone is different again you know some girls that don't even look like pregnant with 40 weeks but most of us we are putting some kilos on and we are a little bit bigger but you know that's fine it just um takes the time you grow baby at the same time you your belly has to grow back and your skin has to grow back and it just takes time yeah so yeah Awesome. We'll let you get back to your youngster because I know he's waiting inside for you. So thanks again for your time. We look forward to uh, seeing how your season unfolds and we'll be following you from uh, from over here in New Zealand. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for keep following me. Yeah, awesome. Gable. Have your work. Uh, John, we are back. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Is it it's, it's, it's interesting how she's kind of learned some really valuable life lessons. I always love asking that question of, you know, what would you, what could you teach yourself now if you knew what you knew? And it's interesting that how motherhood's probably taught her a lot about being a high-level athlete, which may have actually helped her early on in her career if she knew those lessons. Mm, but she didn't, she didn't 
fill me with that confidence that she necessarily wants to get uh, right back to the top or, or do what it takes to get to the top. I think she's, um, yeah, but I, I totally agree. She's definitely learnt some some valuable stuff, but I, I was just really interested to see where she, where she wanted to take it. You know, some females come back from having children and, and want to get back to the top and, and completely keep spanking it. Um, others are just sort of ticking along and keep doing what they enjoy doing. So, yeah, I think she's sort of at a bit of a crossroads. So, I'm very interest, interested to see where she goes next. Well, also that thing of when we think about this in regards to how she talked about how when you're a pro athlete, it's almost a problem because you only really have one thing and being a mother actually kind of gives you other purpose, which is really valuable. And I'm sure a, pro, a lot of pro athletes probably go through that. I'm reading John McEnroe's book at the moment and um, – he, he was actually the, the opposite, you know, he was generally at his best when he didn't have anything else going on in his life, you know, he was completely focused, didn't have a partner, didn't have any other distractions, and that was that was when he was at his best, and he totally admits he wasn't the, the nicest person uh, and wasn't the most balanced, but, you know, if you really want to get to that top one, two, three in the world, um, sometimes it's not the, the happiest place to be. Is it a good book? Uh, it's pretty old, and and it, but you know obviously his his time was just a bit before us, so I know a lot of the names, but um, a lot of the names I don't know. But yeah, still an interesting read. Okay, good stuff. Okay, John, let's do Winger of the Week. Okay, we're going to go. We've got today Bevan. Uh, we're recording a couple of days early. Today's the second of February, so it's zero two zero two two zero two zero. Oh, so it's, it's so. What do you call that when it goes both I've ways? Got, well, no, that's a palindromic number, but I don't think this is... That is a palindromic yeah, number, yeah, is it? There you go. It is. Yeah. It's, my birthday is a palindromic number. Oh, there you go. No, it's not. No, oh. no, it's not. <laughs> okay. It's my, mine was the 6th of the 7th, 76, so it was 6, 7, seven. Yeah, no, it is a palindromic number. Bloody hell. I've been <laughs> on holiday for too long. <laughs> um, but anyway, I wanted to go for number 20 because there's lots of twos and zeros in there. So number 20 on the rankings, uh, is it this week or last week? Last week was Ben Walton. And he is from, Ben Walton's a POM, but he's living in either Dubai or UAE because he came over on uh, Epic Camp. He did 17 hours. He's in Dubai. He did 17 hours and, oh, the ranking. Hold on. Give me a second, Bevan. Give me a second. Here we go. Here we go. Do you want to build it up too much? He did 17 hours and 28 minutes from nine hours of activity. He swam two hours, 39 biked 14 hours and 48 minutes and pulled up the big donut on the running front. Uh, so Ben is a he's a good, good athlete. I'm surprised he's not doing any running, but that must be the, the Dubai heat uh, getting him. It looks like it might be his biggest week of the year. Uh, he's a summit member from Dubai, and so far average rides per week in the last five weeks is five, and he's been averaging 347 kilometres per week. That's not bad going. That so is keep it not up. Bad ben. going. Oof. Yeah, he's done uh, all-time distance. Oh, he's just about cranked eighty-nine thousand, just about cranked ninety thousand kilometres. And his biggest ride was two hundred sixteen point four kilometres. I think he probably did that on Epic Camp. It's good stuff, Ben Walton. Twentieth on the rankings. Keep it going. Yeah, good times. Okay, John, let's uh, wrap up the show. There's no questions and answers this week because we'll do those next week. Although I will say, Joe Spriggins, I haven't watched any cricket in the last couple of weeks, but apparently every time we go into a super over and we're having lots of them, we keep losing. And every morning I get a new email from Joe Spriggins just reminding me that we're not very good at super overs, John. It's just thanks, Joe, for that. It really makes us feel good. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, John, let's, let's do our patrons. We've got a new patron, Glenn Osmond. 
Glenn Osmond, who was actually, uh, when I was just talking about Ben there, he was a mate of Ben Walton's who came on uh, Epic Camp as well. Oh. So Glenn Osmond, he's, um, he's got a coffee business. It uh, sells coffee into Poland, but he lives, where's, I think he lives in sh- somewhere in Sharmany, I think it was. And he, he roomed with me one night uh, in, in, uh, on Epic Camp, and it was a day we rode to Andorra, and I think I've told this story before. He, um, he was out there all day. <laughs> It's fair to say. Really? It was one of our big days. We had a, a, a series of uh, races in the morning, and then we biked from a place called Sort in Spain uh, through to Andorra, went over a couple of passes, and when you went into Andorra, it was just climbing for bloody Africa, and uh, and we were out there for a long time, and it was a bloody hot day, and we'd all sat down, had dinner, and uh, we were trying to track where he was, and he rolled in. We'd all finished dinner, and the sun was going down, and it would have probably been 8 o'clock at night, and Glenn rolled in on his bike, and he went straight up to our room and he just about passed out on the bed and I uh, had to kind of drag him down to, to get some fuel into him but he got up the next day and started cranking again so given he's got business in Poland Poland's all you know, red the colour of their flag is red nice. and he's into coffee so I thought the red bean machine it's a, I like it I like it I like it a lot we're also going to say a big thank you to our patrons we've got uh, Matthew uh, Price of Pain Holtwick, we've got Darren O Jones, we've got Ian White Lightning Hursley. These are all patrons of the show, guys. If you want to be a patron of the show, just go to www.imtalk.me, click on the where it says become a patron, go through the process, and you support the boys in becoming a patron. And John, we are going to be doing the draw pretty soon, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to do it either the end of February or the start of March, probably the end of February, so you've only got a couple of weeks to get in. Okay, so there you go. If you want to be a patron and you want to go, want to go on a draw to win a trip to Hawaii with the boys at the end of October this year, make sure you go to www.iontalk.me and do that now. Also, if you want to get the show emailed, oh, John, what's our sponsor? Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And then we also have, uh, if you want to get the show emailed to us, go to our front page and just put your details in. If you want some coaching, go to coachjohnnewson.com. And if you want to get uh, listen to my podcast, bevanjamesisles.com. You can email us at iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com for any other, you know, age groupers of the week, questions or anything like that. Jombo, what's your goss? What's my goss? I've got to jump in the car tomorrow. We've got the big drive back home to Christchurch. Be about six or seven hours all up um, from door to door. So can't say I'm looking forward to that. It's been Wait a, a second. Are your kids missing break? the first day of school? No, our school. Don't get me started, Bevan. They don't bloody start till... Wednesday, go to school for a day, then they've got another day off of Waitangi Day, and then go back for a day. So, uh, yeah, they're not missing any school. They should have been back ages ago. So we had a week in Kaiteri. It's been great. The water's hot. The weather's been fantastic. Done some mountain biking. I witnessed my daughter having her first serious crash. Oh, it's really? the worst crash I've seen anybody have on a mountain bike. I was coming down the hill behind her, and she's just got some great speed, and we're going over these rollers, and she just got bucked off one of them, and she went flying mm. uh, and <laughs> she got up and got back on her bike which I was most impressed with um, Bevan have you ever played a game called Catan or heard of a game no, called Catan? Catan no we've had a bit of an addiction up there on this game so C-A-T-A-N great family game that you can actually get involved in it's all about it's not like risk um, it's kind of just a bit of, little bit of strategy a little bit of luck but it's something oh the settlers like Catan really yes yes yeah, yeah I, think I, I think I have played that yeah yeah, it's a great game. We've been playing, cranking that out, and it's been getting a little bit competitive. Um, <laughs> so that's been all good. And other than that, Bevan, just going to be back and getting into a routine uh, from next week. Oh, I did have a race in between times. We had the Corsair Classic. Great to see lots of uh, local 
athletes actually deciding not to race for a change and, and um, volunteering for the race. So it was really, really good. And we had Andrea Hewitt racing, Dylan McNeese racing. It was a stinking hot day. So uh, so that was all good. That's about my lot, Bevan. Who won Just it? Been, uh, Andrea Hewitt won the women's by quite some margin, I'd imagine. Julia Grant was probably second. And then Ben Phillips, uh, who's Mike Phillips' brother, uh, actually beat Dylan McNeese, um, which was pretty solid. So Ben's former, he's been to Kona, and he might race, uh, he'll race Taupo, and he'll probably do reasonably well. So, did, yeah, did hopefully Ben do the year we were there? I'm pretty sure Ben raced, didn't he? A couple of years no, ago. No, he's been, he, he might have done Kona the year we, did, yeah. we were over there. Yeah, um, yeah. But he's a really good swimmer, good strong, strong biker and steady runner. So uh, very, very good age group athlete. So that's about my lot, Bevan. Um, what's been happening with you? Well, um, tonight, when these guys, when you're listening to the show, if you download it straight away on the day we release it, I'm going to see Elton John in Dunedin. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, Elton John's one of those guys who I'm not a huge fan of, but you know every one of his songs. And he's kind of one of those guys mm-hmm. I kind of felt... Last time we'll probably ever come to New Zealand, you've got to tick that box. So mm-hmm. I'm going to see Elton John do that. Um, my daughter's been home, which has been pretty cool because my daughter lives in Kent. Or as she says, it's it's, it's not Kent, it's Cairns. Cairns, Dad, it's Cairns. And yeah. she's starting, she's in that place where life's a bit tricky for her because in Australia, she sounds like a Kiwi. But now when she mm-hmm. comes home, people start saying, you sound a bit like Australian. So she's mm-hmm. kind of in no man's land. She's, it's not a good place. No. So, um, but it's been cool catching up, keeping up with my daughter and, you know, just being dad. It was quite funny the other night, actually, because she came and stayed with us for the first three nights. She's here for two weeks. She stayed with us for the first three nights. And then she's at her mum's for a couple of nights. And um, it was about 9.30 at night. We were kind of getting ready to go to bed. And she turns to me and she goes, Dad, do you mind? can I go and see my friend? <laughs> and, and I turned to her and I go, babe, you're an adult. Because <laughs> she's like 22, yeah. 23. And she goes, oh, yeah, I, I am. So, so I still hold some power over her, John. Still got nice, some power. Nice, very so good. very good. So other than that, pretty much Elden John, get back into it. We'll be back in the studios next week, John. So let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia ka. Kia ka.